and we are underway broadcasting to you from our remote Pittsburgh studios north of the steel city of Pittsburgh PA where we bring to you today episode number 64 of our podcast steel city sports talk my name is Alex Brown I'm Ryan Bear and together we are your hosts for this podcast Ryan it's been a while but lots to go over yes there is Alex unfortunately we're choosing to come back in a week where there's been two losses, a bad weekend at the Acrisure Stadium, Alex. But uh, it's a new week this week. We got Steelers at Buffalo. Kenny Pickett's first career NFL start after playing his first half last week against the Jets, where he played he played pretty good. Three interceptions. One was a Hail Mary. The other two tipped off receivers' hands. One of them shouldn't have been thrown. The other one probably should have been caught. And maybe they both should have been caught. But uh, it was... I guess it provided life to the offense, so that's definitely good to see. And Kenny Pickett makes his first start against the best pass defense, so we'll see how that one goes this Sunday. Pitt coming off a loss to Georgia Tech, 26-21, and a really, really disappointing loss in the game. Pitt was favored by 21 points after Georgia Tech fired head coach Jeff Collins. All signs pointed to a walkover win for Pitt, and I think they saw that, and they weren't ready for the game. They didn't get up, and they weren't ready for the game, and the offense – just played absolutely terrible and cost them the game by turnovers and lack of execution on opportunities because Georgia Tech didn't win that game, Pitt handed it to them. But uh, let's jump right into Pitt football, Alex. Yeah, but as you alluded to it there, Pitt just, like, Pitt just didn't wake up for the game. And Kalijah Kansi said in his media, media availability this week, Georgia Tech wanted it more than we did. And I just want to know, Ryan, from your thoughts as the ex- expert in pit football that you are not a bigger pit fan uh, try to find one i'll wait you won't then ryan barry there's not a bigger pit fan so i want to know your thoughts and your emotional state over the game against georgia tech well it's better that i wasn't at the game because that would have been that would have been a, a bad, bad weather rainy all night and then watching that offensive implosion by in the first half was tough enough to watch on on tv there uh, with I think not a first, maybe one first down in the first quarter. Uh, definitely not to the last possession if they got one in the first quarter. And the offense just stumble away, uh, stumble their way through the rest of the game with three turnovers, two fumbles from Vincent Davis. Slovis was very terrible in the pocket. Of course, it says he has 305 yards, three touchdowns, but that wasn't until the last two drives of the game. Um, the game plan was absolutely terrible. <laughs> they didn't utilize Bartholomew all year. It's been a problem. Three catches to your probably your biggest playmaker on offense is bad. Izzy Abanacanda got hurt in the first half. Vincent Davis came in and provided a spark, but then he fumbled twice. And those were really costly turnovers. Uh, and Slovis uh, threw an interception on Georgia Tech territory as well. In the second half, the defense dropped five interceptions. Eric Hallett dropped a pick six on the first offensive play for Georgia Tech in the game. Uh, Jeff Sims. Wasn't good for Georgia Tech. Only 100 yards and a touchdown. It probably should have had at least three, uh, at least two interceptions uh, thrown. Georgia Tech rushing attack was really good uh, against Pitt's rush defense, which has been a problem for Pitt this year. It had been cleaned up uh, Tennessee, Western Michigan, and New Hampshire mostly, but it just broke. Uh, they broke through again with Georgia, Georgia Tech with 236 rushing yards, and Pitt couldn't break through after Izzy got hurt. Uh, with only 100 rushing yards against a Georgia Tech team that led up around 600 yards of, uh, of rush yards in the past two weeks to teams that aren't even that good, UCF. Uh, it, and it was just a very, very disappointing loss. And I feel like 
every year we have to talk about one of these Western Michigan last year, Miami shouldn't have been a loss. So obviously play the players who had hopes of a national championship run or a college football playoff run probably were, weren't really realistic, but they're definitely, if if those dreams were real, then they're gone now. Yeah. And Pitt falls out of the rankings of the top 25 with that loss, but up to that point, they were playing. Okay. Struggling a bit, battling injuries as our last podcast was before the Tennessee game. And after coming off the high after the West Virginia victory the week prior, uh, feeling pretty good looking at that point. And then a tough loss, but a great battle against Tennessee in which you lose your starting quarterback at halftime. And then your backup quarterback is playing on one leg, takes right now, which is a top 10 team in the nation, to overtime and barely loses that game. Even Nick Patty battled hard in that game. And it was at a point over the next two weeks where you could coach through those games. Then you played Georgia Tech, a team that had some had a little fire to it, as you said, and it just didn't work out. But do you think uh, Pitt battling those injuries, is that any effect on their outlook week to week against opponents? It does have effects, and I think it's uh, definitely evident in the – I guess the offense it's not even like with as much injuries as that. It's just like the position where they've had the injuries, which is quarterback. Obviously if Slovis didn't get hurt against Tennessee, I have no doubt in my mind that Pitt wins that game. That was the best Slovis had looked the entire year. He had looked like he did during his freshman year. Obviously it was just the first half, but he looks like he did during his freshman year at USC. Uh, he was just delivering strikes as he was getting hit. Uh, he was good in the pocket, didn't take any bad sacks. And he, he looked really good in the pit offense was, was gliding along in that game. And then he got hurt and the offense really sputtered in the second half. And if Slovis plays, Pitt wins that game. And, and then after Georgia Tech loss, obviously you're disappointed, but you're not as disappointed as you would be if you're four and one uh, with a win over Tennessee and uh, West Virginia. But that's not where we are. Obviously injuries happen. Uh, unfortunately, they've happened more to Pitt than probably most teams in the country. But you had a lot of injured guys back against Georgia Tech, especially on defense. Obviously, you're missing Rashad Battle and Nate Temple for the year, which is which is not ideal. Those are two good players. But you had Baldonado back. Uh, on offense, you had Jared Wayne back. You had Bartholomew back. So this was a game that obviously you're missing two starting offensive linemen. But this is a game that Pitt should be able to win even without their full full roster. But I think the thing where injuries have uh, hurt Pitt the most is in the quarterback position because of being a new offensive coordinator coming in, a new quarterback coming in. Uh, you got to be able to use games against Western Michigan uh, <laughs> as games to, I guess, still kind of gel. And, and there's obviously we're going to be growing pains, but I think it got even, I guess, boosted up more of the growing pains because of, or emphasized more because of the lack of consistency in who was playing. You would uh, slow us for, He's probably played 75% of the snaps this year, but then you had Yarnell for a game. You had Patty for a half and then into overtime. So you haven't had that one guy being able to consistently connect with his receivers. And Slovis, I still think he's a little dinged up from that concussion or else he, he looked like it against Georgia Tech, especially with his pocket presence. And I think a lot of it has to do with Pitt as well, uh, like what their game plan is. And like, especially against uh, Rhode Island, they didn't try to make, I guess, 
gain chemistry with their receivers and slowest because they didn't try to throw the ball on the field. It was screen after screen, just trying to run the ball. Obviously, you're gonna, you know, you can run the ball against Rhode Island. Why not try to do something you haven't done the year, which is throw the ball deep? And Georgia Tech, a team that obviously you could run against, but a team that doesn't have a great secondary either. They didn't challenge Georgia Tech's secondary until the last two drives of the game, and it worked. So the game plan has been bad. It hasn't allowed the receivers and slowest in game chemistry. The offensive line has been bad. It's just been really. I guess under underwhelming the pit offense has been this year after high expectations. Uh, I so, think I think the expectations may have been a little bit too high for the offense, yeah. and and we didn't expect as many growing pains as there have been. But it, it's still unacceptable the, the performance against Georgia Tech. So you just spoke about how the poor performance of the position groups on offense. How were your position grades so far? Let's start with on the offense. Just so far through the first five um, five games? So I quarterback, I do have a B minus. That's generous. The, I was I was debating between that and like a C. I don't know, Slovis has been okay. Yarnell helped that grade by having a good game against Western Michigan. Uh, I guess only throwing two interceptions is where I really looked uh, throughout the year for Slovis. Uh, one of them shouldn't have been an interception. He's played just average. It could have been. It could be worse. Uh, Patty played okay when he was had to come in. So I think a B minus is where is definitely where I'll put them there. The running backs is probably my highest graded. Uh, it would be even higher if uh, Vincent Davis didn't have two fumbles against Georgia Tech and the. I guess the West Virginia game was one that kind of brought the grade down a little bit from an A plus to an A, but I still have them at an A. They've been the best position group by far, I believe, for Pitt. So they get an A for me. The wide receivers have been really underwhelming. Uh, Jared Wayne's been the most consistent. Uh, I give them a C, the wide receiver group. Offensive line has been underwhelming as well. After, after you thought with bringing everyone back, they'd be dominant. Obviously, there's been injuries. Uh, I don't think there's been the five starting offensive lines starting together in any game this year. So that's obviously something that's not good, <laughs> but the offensive line still has a lot of veteran guys that should be able to fill in and they haven't been able to do that. They haven't given Slovis enough time to throw. They haven't blocked well enough for the running backs. So they give it, they get a C as well. Tight ends uh, my second a on offense. They're underutilized, but they've been good. Bartholomew's been good. He hasn't been as good as blocking, but he's been able to provide the spark plays. Carter Johnson's been good as well uh, in blocking. And then fullback, I decided to add the one in there. Daniel Carter's been really good at run blocking, and he's had a couple of big first-time pickups as well, and I think two touchdowns this year. So he's been good. I give him an A. So those are my position grades for offense. Do you want me to do my defense? No? Go right into defense. All right. Uh, defensive line, I give them a B. I was in between like a B plus and a, a B. Uh, I give them a B. I don't know. The run defense has been bad, but I don't know if I blame that more on the linebackers, the defensive line. I think the reason I didn't get the defensive line in A is because while they've had pass rushers this year, they've had some a good amount of sacks. I feel like it hasn't been consistent enough in games. Like you, you see bursts in games where Pitt, like maybe on one or two drives, gets like three sacks, and that's what they have for the game. And you think, oh, three sacks, that's, that's good for defense, but it wasn't consistent enough. We were disrupting plays, or at least one play a drive, not with it, just a sack, but with hurries, pressures. I don't think it's been to that level that it's been in the past couple of years. Obviously, 
our expectations are very high for the defensive line. And if it's maybe any other team in the ACC and they perform this way, they might be getting an A, the defensive line. But I think because of the expectations that we have and I guess the lack of consistency throughout a game, the course of a game is why I give them a B instead of a B plus or an A. Defensive backs, the next one to look at, I give them an A. They have been good this year. Like they take a lot of heat. But it's because of the scheme that's that's they play against. You're going to let up some big plays. MJ Devonshire has been decent. Uh, Marquez Williams has been very, very good. Eric Hallison, very, very good. Rashad Bottle, obviously, off for the year, but he's been uh, – he was good when he played. Uh, A.J. Woods is probably right now has been one of the – maybe a disappointment so far, but he's still been okay. But as a whole, I think the defensive backs have been good, and they've made a lot of big plays and a lot of good pass breakups that have really helped uh, – keep it in games and you really expected that to be the weak weak part of the defense and the and the run defense to be good but it's been the other way around so my linebackers i give them like a, a c plus or a b minus uh because the run defense just hasn't been good and a lot of that is the linebackers missing tackles savasi dennis has been good bengali kamara has been good at getting the quarterback and, and pressure and getting some sacks there but he's missed a lot of assignments and tackles uh, as well, which have led up big, big runs and haven't helped as well. Uh, Tyler Wiltz has been okay. I mean, I think it's a lot, a lot of the, I guess, growing pains with having a lot of new guys playing, but they, they've got to improve if Pitt wants to make a run uh, the rest of this year and be able to win the Coastal. So that's where I have my deep has position grades and special teams. I give them a D. They've been absolutely terrible. Uh, Sam Vanderhaar is averaging 38 yards a punt. Uh, last week against Georgia Tech, it felt like every single punt return MJ Devonshire had was called back due to a penalty. Uh, ben Sauls missed two 27-yard field goals this year. Need I say more? Uh, <laughs> the, the special teams has been really disappointing. And they, I, I give an F if MJ Devonshire didn't have a punt return touchdown this year. <laughs> and Ben Sauls, he, he deserves an and D, especially for his performance um, against Tennessee, if he makes one of the two that he misses, Pitt wins in regulation. Yep. And that would be a big change to the season from that point. Um, well, I, I can't say I disagree with any of your your grades. I think, that, I think that's pretty fair. So where do you think Pitt goes from here, Alex? What do you think the mindset is? going into the Virginia Tech game and then into the bye week? Do you think it's mostly trying to get a win against Virginia Tech and then get healthy? Or do you think you want to – you're angry and you, you want to dominate against Virginia Tech and then, then try to get healthy? <laughs> I think you want to stomp on Virginia Tech like they're a bug and, and then you clean it up afterwards. Um, you just – you have to squash them. And it's, it's, it's a game – it's a get-right game. So you have to get – Get going on offense. You've got to get work out the things that you can. Uh, Virginia Tech's not a great offensive team. No. Um, so not the at defense, all. it's an opportunity for them. Pardon me? Not at all. I think this is a game the pitch defense should, should have a chance to, to pitch a shutout. I think so too. And it's, a, it's an excellent opportunity for the pit defense to get gain some more confidence in themselves as well. And then you get on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, big Gavin Bartholomew's a big guy to miss there out there on the field. So I think he's got to get the ball more often. The offense just has to get into a rhythm. And the, the worst part about the last couple of games is their start to the games. Because we, as we've heard here from some players, I remember Cordell Stewart said this uh, just the other day on the radio. I think it was last week before the Steelers game. You script the first plays that you play um, on offense 
and basically your first 15 plays are maybe scripted as if you were having a good 12 to 15 play first drive. So those plays are scripted. And then you go into the Georgia Tech game and you start out with three passing plays and three and out offensively against a Georgia Tech team that can't stop a nosebleed on the run in the first four weeks. It doesn't make any sense. So you got to get a, cons- a consistent and an effective game plan to start against Virginia Tech because that game, you don't even want that one to be close from kickoff. So I think that's your, your strategy. Yep, I agree with everything you said there. You want to win this Virginia Tech game by a lot. You want to try to send a message. Obviously, uh, the season's not over. Pitt lost Western Michigan last year. Tennessee is a better loss than Miami was. So if Pitt wins out, they'll win the Coastal. Uh, and let's look at the road ahead for them to have a chance to do that. And I'll go through uh, every game and I'll say if Pitt should win it, if it's a toss-up, uh, and if it will be close, there should be a, a blowout. Virginia Tech pitch to win the blowout. Then you have the bye week. Then you go to Louisville, and that's a game you should win. Louisville's been inconsistent, but they've still been good. So that one will be a close game, especially at Louisville. Malik Cunningham is a very good football player, and he can uh, put Louisville on his shoulders in a lot of games. They've had a lot of close ones. They lost to Boston College. They somehow got killed by Syracuse, who is 5-0 and right now, but I could see that them really going downhill with the teams that they play coming up. And then they, uh, they played Florida State close as well. So that, that should be a win for Pitt, but that one could be close. Obviously, we thought Georgia Tech should be a win, and that was obviously a loss. <laughs> but you then you go to UNC, and that one's a toss-up. Early in the year, I would have said Pitt should win. But this is a toss-up because of UNC's offense, uh, not only that, but their defense has seemed to improve a little bit. They played a lot better last week with a big win. The offense is just – you're going to – I think they're going to score 35-plus, maybe even more every single week. Uh, Josh Jones is tremendous, tremendous wide receiver. And I'm blanking on the quarterback's name right now. How am I? How am I forgetting his name? But he is he is unbelievable as well. Sorry, I'm gonna figure this guy's Drake May. How did I forget? Drake May has been very good for UNC this year. He's been throwing touchdowns after touchdown. A uh, big week after big week. He hasn't really had a down week this year. They lost another game, and that was probably the worst offensive performance for them. And then you play Q's at home, right? Q's is kind of an unknown. They've, they're 5-0. and They've had maybe one or two where you say that's a good win. The rest have just been kind of meh. So we'll, we'll learn more about Q's over these next couple of weeks. They're, they are in the top 25 right now, but I think it's a game pitch to win. And I think it will be close, but I get pit the edge because that one is at Akersher Stadium. Then you travel to Virginia, and Virginia's just been miserable this year. Brennan Armstrong's taking a big step back. So that one should be a win for Pitt. And then you host Duke, who is 4-1 right now and is actually somehow number one in the Coastal. That's the game Pitt should win. But you don't look over overlook Duke. They're doing really good on her first-year head coach. So th- that's going to be a close one, but I think Pitt should win. And then obviously you have Miami at the end of the year. That's a game probably Pitt should win, but I'm going to call it a toss-up because of Pitt struggles versus Miami and that game being in uh, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Obviously, Miami doesn't have much of a home field advantage, though, because no one goes to their games. <laughs> but that, if if that if Pitt wins every game, they go ten and two. I think right now a more realistic one is eight and four, maybe nine and three. And then if things go south, you could see seven, five, six, and six. That's really south. I think that I think something catastrophic would have to happen for them to go to get below eight wins. Um, this year, and I, I really am encouraged um, 
by the rest of their schedule. And I think it gives them an excellent opportunity to be able to still make, as you said, that ACC, ACC championship after winning the Coastal and what would be its final year uh, as the Coastal Division as is now. Um, right, going now into the- right now, Pitt has two Coastal wins. That's more than any team in the Coastal. So, and every t- other team has one coastal win. So you want to, you want to keep the crown. You want to win the final one. So you guys could say you're the coastal, coastal champs and you could have three and every other team has one. Uh, and if you don't, then the team, you, there'll be a tie for two. Who wants to be tied? You, you want to be the win. He wants yeah, to be- wants to tie. Yeah. What is this? Intermurals? No, we didn't want to tie. <laughs> but uh, that's where Pitt is. And we spent a lot of time at Pitt. Alex, why don't you take us into Steelers? You, Okay, so last time we talked, we were setting up the Bengals game week one. So the Steelers win that, and then your immediate immediate people's immediate reactions afterwards, at least here in Pittsburgh, was, oh my gosh, the defense is tremendous. The defense is going to win the Steelers games. This is a top five defense. It is the highest paid defense in the league, Ryan. $108 million they spent on the defense this year. So it better be good. So people are praising the defense. And then T.J. Watt gets hurt. We see... At first, it's a torn peck. He might be out for the year. Then it's a couple of months. Then Ian Rappaport says maybe six weeks tops. So then, then we're encouraged. We're left encouraged. The offense was okay. Mitchell Trubisky, maybe he won us the game in overtime. We'll see what happens. And then you get into week two. Um, week two against the Patriots. And then Mac Jones uh, in the running game of New England beats up the Steelers' defense. So now people are concerned about the Steelers' defense a bit, but not as concerned as they are about the offense. The offense, oh my goodness, they're terrible now. The offense, how are they so good against the Bengals and now now they stink? They only got 14 points against Were they good against the Bengals, though? Pardon me? Were they good against the Bengals, though? The offense? Not the winning drive in that. Yeah, that, that's like the game. only um, in over to for the Steelers to win that is Boswell put the offense. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, think the offense has been been good at all. You don't think at all? I, I guess you could argue at times it's, it's been decent, uh, but consistently it, it hasn't been good. Who do you blame that on? <laughs> I think the blame falls on. On everybody, what would you say? I was thinking back Canada. That that that's probably the main main guy, but players got to make plays too. You're right, absolutely right, and that was a problem against the Patriots there in week two, as they went down seventeen to fourteen after beating the Bengals the previous week twenty three twenty, and then you go to play the Browns, a divisional opponent. Um, Browns coming off a crushing defeat to the Jets in the last seconds of week two as Thursday night football week three Steelers go to Cleveland the mistake by the lake and they lose that one 29-17 now now people are pressing the panic alarm on the offense but still not as much talk about the defense defense wasn't good in that game but you're still the offense stinks the offense just stinks as Mitchell Trubisky was able to throw down the field a couple times but no more than that and then they play the Jets and then when they play the the Jets this all heck breaks loose at halftime. The, the, the offense is dilapidated. They're lifeless. They only put up six points in the first half against the Jets. And then they go to Kenny Pickett. Kenny, Kenny, the chance were running in during the first half. And the Steelers cave in. The coaching staff caves in. Mike Tomlin 
ends up putting the prodigal son of Kenny Pickett out there to start the second half. Sound like Pickett, Andrew Philippone. Even though he throws three interceptions. I know. Andrew Filipponi's Andrew he's obsessed with the man. <laughs> the prodigal son. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> so he comes out there. He throws an interception in his first pass in the NFL. And it's, it's okay. Claypool should have caught it. And then Kenny Pickett ends up getting two rushing touchdowns to put the Steelers up. I think it was by double digits at one point in that game. I think it was about 20 to 10. Yep. And then the Jets come back and score two touchdowns late in the game. Um, Corey Davis got one of them. And then Zach Wilson carried his team on the back and they got another. And the Jets end up winning the game 24-20. And you know what the thought is now, Ryan? Kenny Pickett's in the offense. They have hope. And now you look at the defense. What in the world's wrong with the defense? So it's always something. Always something is wrong. But I think we've been ignoring the defense for the better part of the whole season. The defense in week one against the Bengals, even though they got the takeaway, they still let the Bengals back that game. You could argue the offense didn't score enough. Uh, but the defense has not been good all year, Ryan. That's, that, that's right. And it just shows – I don't think they won a game without T.J. Watt. It just shows what a difference that T.J. Watt makes. How this, I don't think the Steelers have won a game against It does. Watt. This could be wrong. They have not. Not in his career. Not in his career. And a game that he's missed have they won a game. That's, That's why you pay him so much, though. That's why you pay him so much. But I'm concerned, Ryan, about the Steelers going forward. Uh, even though I don't think it's an expectation now, a realistic one, that they make the playoffs, I, I'm just concerned about how bad the record's going to be by the end of the year. Do you think the Steelers mishandled the Kenny Pickett situation? Uh, and do you think that his first start should come against the best pass defense in the NFL? I think they, I think they mishandled – I wouldn't say Kenny Pickett. I would say they mishandled Mitchell Trubisky with how they with how they played him. I don't think they put him in a good enough position coming in to start the year. And the reason I say that is is because I don't think um, as as much as Mike Tomlin voiced public support for him, which is good um, to say that publicly. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky was ever in a comfortable position this year. Not that he should have been, but I think he should have been in a position more where he was supported more offensively. And I think. Uh, Matt Canada is not a great person to be um, pushed in with immediately. And Matt Canada has the experience with Kenny Pickett. He knows him. I'm sure he was wants to call plays with him more. At least he feels more comfortable in doing that. And I don't think it's fair to put Kenny Pickett in against the Bills, especially when Mitchell Trubisky played against the Bills. I think even though they lost, I think it's a if you're going to put Kenny Pickett in. The best time to put him in was to start last week's game against the Jets. You don't put him in at halftime, especially with 10 days in between your game between 100%. the Bills and the Jets. Not the Bills and the Jets, but the Browns and the Jets from the previous Thursday. I think he should start against the Jets. 100%. I, I agree. If you're going to put him in, you don't put him in at halftime. But it, it is what it is. He's starting against another one pass defense. And I, I think I like that point there saying Mitchell Trubisky never felt comfortable. I think he – 
he there's been him and Kenny. He was playing not to throw an interception and get pulled when Kenny was put in. Kenny was throwing or was going in to win the game and make big plays. And I don't think Mr. Fisky was going for enough big plays because he was scared of losing his job and he was scared of throwing interceptions. So I think that's what the difference <laughs> has been. But now, I mean, I asked you that question. I almost wanted you to say what you said because I was absolutely perfect. But I also want to bring this up. Kenny Pickett's first college football game was against Miami, the number two ranked team in the country. They were undefeated coming into Heinz Field. Kenny Pickett making his first start. Carries Pitts with 24 to 14 victory. So he is not afraid of playing uh, the best teams as big underdogs. And it's just kind of poetic that his first college start was against uh, number two team in the country, as I think it was 14-point underdogs, and now you're going against Buffalo. I think it's, I believe, 12, maybe even 14-point underdogs against against yeah. the Bills. They are 14-point underdogs. What, what, how about that? <laughs> that just lines up perfectly. What, what Ryan, I'm going to start off with – Go ahead. I'm going to start off with my position grades. Mm-hmm. To start, I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball. And I want you to jump in, Ryan, um, whatever you feel like. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh or being a little bit too generous. Let me know. I'm going to start off with here. I'm going to start off with the quarterback situation. I would like to give an incomplete grade for this, like they did not finish their homework because they haven't. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm going to give the, them a C. Just at, They've been average. Mitchell Trubisky was average when he was in there. At best, he was average. Most of the time, he's below average. Kenny's going to be good moving forward. The running backs, I'm going to give the running backs a B minus. Najee Harris has been lackluster, to say the least. Average. He's like, he has 202 yards right now. Jalen Warren's been good when they've given an opportunity. I like him moving forward, but B minus so far for the rushers. I agree with um, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then um, I'm going to say for the receivers, not including Pat Fireman. The receivers, I'm going to give a B minus. They've been underwhelming, but I don't think that's mostly on them. Deontay Johnson did have a couple of brutal drops um, last week back to his old ways, but I think mostly it comes back to the quarterback play, and they need to get to the wide receivers more often. So I'm B minus for them. Pat Firemuth, he deserves an A plus. Pat Firemuth leads the team in receiving yards. I'm appreciative of his effort so far this year. The offensive line has not been bad, Ryan. The offensive line, they've only given up, I think it's been eight sacks. Uh, not, it might not even be eight sacks this year, but it's they've given up less sacks than they've forced on the other teams. So that's an encouraging sign so far. Um, and so I'm going to give the offensive line a B plus. Um, and then I guess I, fullback, we barely see Derek Watts. I'm going to give him missing in action, incomplete. <laughs> what do you think about that? I agree with it. I think I agree with every single one. Okay, let's see if you feel the same way on defense. So defense, defensive line, I'm going to give them a B minus. Cam Hayward has not been impressive so far this year. I, I understand that the defense has been out there for a lot of snaps so far this year, but the defensive line has been underwhelming to say the least. I, think I might even give them a C. C. I, I, I hear you there. Uh, but Tyson Alualu has been bad. I think Wormley's been the, the most impressive one on the defensive line, and that's not good. Cam Hayward has to be better moving forward. Um, and next up, I would say on the outside linebackers, I'm going to give the outside linebackers a, I'm going to give them 
I'll give him a B plus. Alex Highsmith, five and a half sacks, uh, right up there with the league leaders. He's been pretty good. Um, middle linebackers, I'm going to give them a C. Miles Jack and Devin Bush, I, it's it's hit or miss with them on any given week. Miles Jack played terrible against the Jets. Devin Bush has been okay. C, no more than that. I'm going to give the cornerbacks a. I'm going to give them a. Oh, I'm going to give them a B plus. B plus. The cornerbacks have been okay. So far in this game, Xavier Mallett, though, uh, the author Mallett has been terrible, though, um, throughout the season. So I'm concerned about him. But everything other than that, they've been okay. But Corey Davis, I'm going to fault the Corey Davis coverage on more of the middle linebackers, those being Miles Jack and Devin Wish. That's why they're down a little bit lower. And then in the secondary, you got Minka up there. Minka's been fantastic so far throughout the majority of this year. I'm going to give him a, a minus up there in the secondary, along with Trey with um, Edmonds up there and special teams. I'm going to give special teams a B. I agree with that. Uh, you could even argue that special teams could be an A. Uh, I think, I think where you give them the B is because they haven't really had that big play return wise. And they've had some turnovers return wise. Uh, Goner Olszewski has been, under, was underwhelming and he's replaced sweep by Steven Sims. So I, I think the B is good for special teams, but if you're, if you're just going by punters and kickers, uh, then I think you give them an A, but obviously special teams includes everything. And going into this week against the Bills, this is where we start pick six picks of the week, Ryan. Um, so this will be a good opportunity to say what, what we think about this today's game, uh, not today's game, but this weekend's game. And I'm going to start off with talk. I'm going to say the Steelers are going to win this game. Ryan, your thoughts. Well, I really thought this is one where I could get one, get up on you, but I have the Steelers as well. <laughs> I, I just love Kenny Pickett this it's week. It's too poetic. It's too poetic to not happen. <laughs> it is. Uh, we'll see. It could be, could be brutal, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hey, Ryan, listen to this, though. The, the betting line this week, the Steelers are plus 600 on the money line. Plus six hundred, and the spread is plus fourteen. So as as you, as we've talked about, Buffalo is favored by two touchdowns. And if you bet ten dollars on the Steelers to win the game, you win sixty dollars in profit. So I mean that that's tempting if, for some betters out there. It is. <laughs> Next game: Chargers Browns. Give me the Chargers. Oh, give me the Chargers as well, Alex. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't like the Browns at all this week. I don't. And I think Justin Herbert is just too good. And I think that I think the Chargers can win by double digits in this one. Uh, Seattle, New Orleans. Seattle, New Orleans, I'm going to go with the Saints. I got the Saints as well. And the reason I say the Saints, Ryan, is because they won their first week's game against Atlanta a little bit too close. Um, they've lost the last three weeks. They need a big win this week. They have an opportunity to do so against an okay Seattle team. Uh, if Winston's back, they win. Bengals, Ravens. Give me the Ravens. I've got the Ravens as well. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you should say are the best team in the division. The Bengals haven't really looked good. They would have lost to Miami if, if Tua didn't get hurt. Uh, and I think the Ravens have, have the best offense in the AFC North. So I think they win that game. Rams, Cowboys. Give me the Rams. I got the Cowboys. There you go. We got okay. a good one. Oh, I was worried about that for a second. 
Uh, yeah, the Cowboys. Cooper Rush started uh, started his career four and zero. Let's see. Hey Ryan, do we have a QB controversy down in Dallas? Who knows? Cooper Rush coming on. Man, yeah. how, long, how long is Dak out for? I think he's out for at least a couple more weeks. You no, know, if, if Cooper Rush doesn't lose a game by the time Dak gets back, what do you do? I don't. I think you don't rush. I don't think you say until Cooper Rush loses. I don't think you can put um, Dak back in. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one. Raiders. Chiefs. Um. Give me the Raiders. I have the Chiefs. Okay, we differ on two again. Uh, I don't know how you pick the Raiders in this one. I think the Chiefs are going to roll over them. Interesting. Interesting. But the and as we should say, last time we did this um, for week one. We are both two and four, and now we're looking to change that up going here in the week five. Yeah, good we, podcast. Yeah, it was a good one uh, again. Thank you all for listening. We got some pit talk coming. We got some Steelers talking. We'll try to have some more coming out in the next couple of weeks. And with uh, that, we leave you at the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, we are your one-stop podcast for everything Pittsburgh sports.